Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fallout Bar here at Online Darts, bringing you instant reaction from every single session of the Betfred World Match Play from Blackpool. My name is Jack Gard, and I'm joined by the wonderful Mr. Dan Simpson once again this evening. How are we doing, pal? Very, very well, thank you very much. What an interesting evening that was, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's 20 to midnight as we start this show. Obviously, this is part of the concept of a reaction show. I completely get it. But when we get a result like we did in the very first game, so I thought we might start this one a little bit early. <laughs> yeah, I thought I, I was. I thought I would be tucked well up into my bed by now. <laughs> Wishful thinking on our part. Good evening to everybody in the chat room that are joining us live here on YouTube. Uh, Juanita says good evening. Uh, she won't be online this morning to watch, uh, but it was an awesome night. Hopefully you're listening or watching back. So big shout out to you, Juanita. Uh, James says, right, is looking more and more finished down to 14th on the tour card list if Cullen wins tomorrow. Big fall for Peter Wright. We'll talk about him shortly. Uh, Tommy says, good evening. Uh, Els says, that last game was seriously squeaky. Bum time to keep the Derby v. Humphreys final prediction alive. Uh, Jesus, something. Uh, but again, boys, one step closer. Watch this space. We are watching this space, mate. Although, this is the last fallout bar this week with either myself or Dan. So we're going to have to pass that on to the rest of the team that are picking up the slack. Uh, Zane says, I called it Humphreys 14-12. What a game it was. Breathtaking night. Uh, good evening, Bob. He says, good evening to me and Dan. Uh, and Al says, I love darts, me. Well, giddy, wow. Well, giddy is probably the way to start. Although, the night started with a little bit of a damp squid because it was one-way traffic in the very first match between Damon Hedger and Brendan Bowden. Yeah. Um, he, and it, what, it, Damon, I mean, Damon played very well. Like, he, he, did, he did play very well. Um, and and the statistics by the end of that match were genuinely surprising to me because I, I I mean I, I sat and watched the game but I, I didn't watch it in a way that I was really tracking and analysing the, the the stats as I went through gobsmacked to be honest when I when I saw that uh, it was a shade under sixty percent on the doubles um, averaging just under ninety six so like all in all a, a really good performance from, from Damon Hedda but he he was. He was sort of kicking into an open goal to a degree because Brendan Dolan, you know, 6% on his doubles, just couldn't get a dart into a double. And it, whilst it was very nice to see him play well, another occasion where he's played well on television, moved through into the next round of a big major event, it wasn't the exciting back and forth, high scoring game that I had hoped for. Yeah, indeed. Um, I mean, look, it was sort of a thing a few years ago with Phil Taylor that if you did not Phil Taylor out, the curse often struck in the following round that you wouldn't do an awful lot with that performance because it took so much to dethrone Phil Taylor. Van Gerwen adopted that air or sense of aurora around him, I guess, for a few years. And this feels like one of them occasions from Brendan Dolly did all the hard work in beating Michael Van Gerwen in that opening round. And it just has not happened. You know, I think that the phrase I used yesterday when we talked when we were talking predictions was that he, he I thought I thought he peaked um you know with, with that victory and, and, I, and I was fairly confident that he wouldn't be able to sustain that level and I, I'm a bit I'm disappointed to have been right on that one and he and he, he did just because it, it wasn't a slight drop off it was it was a big 
a big difference in performances from Brendan Dolan, a, re a really big difference. But all credit to Damon Hetter, and anyway, he still had to go out and win those legs, and, and and he did it in very good fashion. And certainly the way that he was he was finishing uh, and checking things out, I think will bring an awful lot of confidence for him going into the next round. Yeah, I mean, like you said, fifty-seven percent on the outer ring, ninety-five average. But I suppose over twelve legs, that's reasonable and solid enough from the heat. Uh, we've got to talk about his walk-on because that seems to be uh, a topic of discussion every single time we discuss Damon Hatter these days. I opted for very, very similar to round one, went with the cricket ball instead of the cricket bat. I mean, I, I'm still not sure it's the smartest play in the world to wind up the Winter Gardens crowd, but it's worked back-to-back -back the time stream. It has. I'm just not sure what what he does next. Because um, yeah. obviously the longer he stays in his top, he, he, I feel he's sort of committed now to to doing something. on. He's done batting. He's bowling. I'm not quite sure how he can make any a feature out of wicket keeping. Also, I don't know what he's going to come out with. Ball um, on his backside I, like Johnny Bairstow did earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, wrong foot himself and fluke a catch probably that everyone else says great. But, um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see. But I do think he's almost made a run for his own back in that he's, he's committed. And the longer and deeper he goes in this tournament, the more he's going to have to get his thinking cap on um, as to what he can do to entertain the crowd. Indeed. Are we a little bit concerned for Dame right now? Because he is such a genuinely nice bloke. We've had him on the live lounge before. We get on really well with him as an organisation as well. He's always been brilliant with his time. He gives really good interview sort of thing. But if you're going to continue to go down this route, which I think a lot of the crowd are seeing as banter, there is that element of you might end up in the girl in prize situation and that you kicked off once, you wound up a crowd once, and then there's that air of pantomime for a while. But actually, there's going to be a time when Damon Hatter does not want or need the crowd on his back and it's just going to be there waiting for him. Yeah, I think it's a it's a fine line to tread, and so far I think he's trod that line all right. In that it hasn't got on, you know, it hasn't got on top of him. It hasn't. No, he hasn't created those situations. Um, it will be intriguing to see how this goes on. You know, whether or not, you know, ju ju just because I think I think you make a, a really a really fair point, and he's such a decent fella that you sort of don't want the crowd to turn on him. But I, I also think that it's it's a bit of a unique one, this particular one, the match play, because the Ashes is going on. Australian is clearly picked a theme. Now, the stuff he's done on the Euro tours when he's done his entrance didn't really... I, you know, there wasn't a turn-off to the crowd. It wasn't... There were, no, it was, it was local... Interesting music, wasn't it? Big, big pop hits or whatever. Yeah, and, and, and I think locally that, with a plastic lawnmower at one point or whatever else he's done. But yeah, yeah, I think post ashes, you know, if if he carries on in, as, uh, on a theme that isn't divisive, then then it's probably he's probably going to be safe. Yeah, fingers crossed for Damo, who did wrap up an eleven-one victory over Brendan Dolan. Uh, let's hear from the Aussie Ace right now. 
yeah, I've just, uh, I don't, I don't see it as a big opportunity. Uh, it's opportunity just being in the tournament, to be fair. But when you look at it, like I said, the top 32 in the world are in this tournament. You've got to expect that. These these players aren't always going to win, are they? They're, these other players are creeping up and the top 30, you, you, you can't rely on anything. So for them to get beat, it's not a, it's not a massive thing, you could say. Like, of course, they can average 110 just like that and, and whip in 180s, 170s and, and whatever. But uh, they're, they're vulnerable. They're, they're beaten on a weekly basis on pro tours, Euro tours, and they're not always winning everything. So... I think you just got to expect that and uh, and respect the the players coming behind them because they're hungry, they're eager. You know what I mean? It's people chasing them as well. So uh, no, it's all fair play to everyone that's uh, that's been winning so far. And uh, yeah, I, I just hope for a really good tournament and and for myself to be at the end. That's all I can hope for. Pretty laid back from Damon. One more quick thing: Did you notice his little bit of an interaction with Wayne Mardle on social media of the? Before tonight's play started, there was 12 players remaining in the tournament. Wayne listed that 11 I of them would be in major finals, hinting that Damon Hetter's World Cup of Darts success did not count towards being in a major final, which part of me is inclined to agree. But given that Barney, for the last couple of years, was invited to the Premier League on the basis that he won... The Pairs World Championship, as he used to refer to it, instead of the World Cup of Darts, <laughs> for the Netherlands with Michael Van Gerwen. I'm not sure that logic applies when you consider how highly Sky and Wayne Mardell ranks the Premier League. No, so I can't decide if that if that was Wayne genuinely like just not thinking like the World Cup is is a major event. It's a televised final. It depends. It all depends on you. And and God, we could we could bore everybody for three hours with a debate on what isn't. I'm not amazing. getting into the what is the major uh, at all. Um, but, but I just it, thought that would be if true. you just if you re if you retitled it as televised final, then you'd have to let him through, wouldn't you? You'd let him have it. Yeah. And he's uh, the man's won on the World Series as well, by the way. So that's two different arenas. Let's not completely rule that out as well. That was enough to get Dimitri into the Premier League last year. Number of World Series successes. So uh, yeah, I think we'll, uh, we'll we'll rephrase that tweet. Get on Twitter, Blue Wayne, and give that a cheeky little edit. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's dive into the chat room a little bit. A proper textbook bounce by Dolan after beating MVG. Yeah, it's certainly looked that way. Uh, Zane says, "How many times do you see an underdog take out a big name player and then lose in the next round?" Again, quite incredibly common. It's always happened. Uh, Malachi says that Heta is winning the tournament. Uh, Tommy says you have to say Dolan is just a spoiler. I think at this point of the career, I 100% have to agree with that. Um, this conversation about who do we think will win the tournament. We will give our predictions who we think from the remaining eight will win the tournament at the end of this show because this is the last time you, as, as I said, this is the last time you'll hear from myself or Dan. So if it's changed at any point for you, Dan, now is your one chance to bail out. We'll, we'll give you the midweek option. Um, on to the second match of the night. And what a response this was after a disappointing performance, not quite a result, in the first round from Johnny Clayton. Uh, the ferret bouncing back to absolutely dispatch of Dimitri Vandenberg in superb fashion. 11-6, Dan. Yeah, and, and I think we... In the first round, and we talked about it, it was it was about getting that win on the match play stage, and it was about be, still being in the tournament. And and 
And tonight we saw a much more um, classic version of what we come to expect from from, from Johnny Clinton. In one forties, you know, the one forties were finding their range. The thing that is such a key part of his game when those one forties are going in. Eighteen of them we saw tonight. It was just shy of sixty percent. Eleven out of nineteen on the doubles. 102 average, and of course, he reeled in the big fish. So it, it's just, I would say, an all round proper Clayton performance. Um, Dimitri, I mean, I put my hands up and picked Dimitri to win relatively comfortably when we spoke last night. I just think he, he's, it's a stage he's comfortable on and we know he does well his doubles let him down a little bit the one two five checkout was gorgeous but it, it, across the game his doubles let him down a bit his score wasn't what what it has been but he didn't play particularly badly Dimitri he was just beaten by a, a really really up end performance Johnny Clayton and then looking at who's left that's dangerous that if he's found a bit of something and worked his way through, like if if he if he's got his rough performance out of the way and, yeah. and got it out of the first round and stayed in, he, he's one of the few let's you know top ten players that have had a really rough performance and come through it. So if he's got that out of the way and now he's gonna play proper Johnny Clayton darts, then he's in with a, a proper chance. Yeah, I mean, hindsight is always a wonderful thing. Johnny Clayton was one of the players that actually, on our preview show, a lot of us did fancy to have a bit of a run. He was the talk of uh, the week before we had you on the preview show, Dan, where we're saying, if you look at that section of the draw, Peter Wright's completely out of form. Dimitri van der Berg hadn't gone on the runs that he went on the Pro Tour or, or the World Series at that point. Um, it, it was crying out for a Johnny Clayton run to, to at least the semi-final. Obviously, didn't play that great in the first round, said in his post-match press uh, interview on stage that he had some personal issues at home. Um, we still believe they're going on. I think he's going to reference that in the clip we're going to play you. But if he's found a way to just get through that and, and do a job up on that stage, he's really a threat for this title, isn't he? Oh, 100%. Without, without a doubt. And, and the... You've managed to mute yourself. I don't know why that happened. It happened the other night, didn't it? it happened the night. Did you just not want to talk I'm, to me? It's fine if you don't. I haven't the thing. It's like I'm setting, seeing some sort of buzzword in my computer's had enough of it, but I'm actually going to shut up, Dan. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it, you know, it, it's really interesting because he he's probably gone from probably, I would say, the, the least, sort of most under par performance against what we expected from him in the first round of the players that came through to after one more game, arguably, I mean, I haven't looked, but my assumption is he's the favourite now. I haven't checked just yet. In fact, that, I am going to check. Luke Humphreys started the evening as favourite, came through an incredibly tough battle there. Obviously, that changed a little bit. That didn't change when Peter Wright exited the tournament either, despite Peter Wright being higher ranked than him. Um Let's have a quick look. See what we uh, Luke Humphrey still remains the outright favourite for the tournament, eleven to four. Johnny Clayton five to one. Nathan Aspinall eleven to two. Joe Cullen thirteen to two. 
Damon Hatcher is available at eight to one. Ryan Sale nine to one, along with Chris Doby and Daryl Gurney at twelve to one. Um, let's then hear from the ferret, Johnny Clayton, and see what he had to say in his post-match press conference. Yeah, it's difficult, but um, I got problems at home. It's um, it's hard. It's very difficult. But I'm here to do a job, and I'm trying my best to do it. So today was a good day. Yeah, it means everything, pal. You know, um, like I say, I got some problems at home with with family. So um, this would mean everything. It seems to be, and it's to be hoped that he is able to take some uh, inspiration or motivation, let's say, from from yeah. whatever's going on, um, and that in in the in the wrong hands. You need someone that that can play darts like Johnny Clayton could be a, a really dangerous thing for everybody else. Because if you've managed to get somebody who can play darts the way that Johnny Clayton can, and find a way to motivate them to to another level, then he's a he's a real threat. Yeah, they could indeed. Um, on to match number three then between Peter Wright and Ryan So, and this one went the way of Ryan So. Absolutely relentless once again, Dan. That change of dart seems to be working for him because he's finding the range in those scoring visits once again. Yeah, it wasn't quite, um, again, you know, it wasn't quite the level that we saw from him the other day, but I'm, I'm not sure that would be possible because either way, the other day he was un unplayable. He was absolutely unbelievable. But he consistently throughout the match did enough. Um, you know, the, the I think the break, the early, or the, the break in the first mini session was it was a big a big help and a break in which Peter Wright threw a max as well and it didn't look like he was going to find the break but but Ryan came through it and then was just managed to do a really good job of front running for the rest of it and um you know throughout that whole game Peter Wright found one break of throw and it, it just wasn't really he never looked under threat as close as the game was at points. Again, Peter didn't have a particular stinker, um, but Ryan just got in the got in the lead and then ne didn't expose himself enough. Neither of them were great on the doubles. There was a lot of missed doubles tonight, but but they sort of matched each other in that, and a lot of that happened in the same leg. You know, there was there was a few legs in there with, with quite a lot of darts in them because both players had had a little go at it. So they they, they matched each other really to, for most of the game. They matched each other fairly level, but Ryan was just lucky enough to a have won the ball, b have found at that early break, and was just able to to sustain it. And and yeah, he, he didn't offer Peter too many chances, and when the chances were there, Peter couldn't take them. Yeah, hundred percent. We saw him tinker about with darts once again. I was convinced we were just going to see the straight gold darts. Obviously, started with um, the ones that look very similar to uh, a dart that Simon Whitlock used to throw. Yeah, it was a Whitlocky type of dart, wasn't yeah. it? Early doors. Swap straight back to the gold darts afterwards. Like I said, it was it was just a case of chasing that break back. It, there was a point where he looked like he was going to mount that comeback, wasn't there? But again, Ryan Searle just kept him at arm's length, and that's where he stayed for the rest of the game. 
Yeah, and and again, there's a, obviously this will come to games where we you know we saw well there's certainly in the last game we saw it swing and, and and we sort of repicked the winner five six seven eight times, but at no point in this game did I did I really think that Peter would had enough to to really make a game of it and, and put Ryan under pressure. He he did a really good job of front running and and. I think it's probably really good for Ryan because he's he's now won in a different way this week in this tournament. You know, the the first week he, he or the first game in the opening round, he, it was complete domination and, and real high level darts. That, that that's what that's what got him the win. He just played too good. Um, tonight was a bit different, and he had to work for his win, and he had to play a, a match, and he had to and he had to do the right things at the right time. And that's exactly what he did. Um, it was a, a really really good performance. Yeah, especially as that was his first win over Peter on the telly and banished those feelings of that Players' Championship final that me and you spoke about previously because you were there live in Minehead as well. That, that's a big moment in the career of Ryan Searle, despite the fact he's won so many floor events, isn't it? It is, because that's got to stay, that has to stay with you. You know, the, 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 the only and the first you know big major TV final that you've, that you've played in and and that it was a that was a hell of a game, and Ryan played very very well, and Peter won it in a similar fashion. You know, he, he just did enough. You know, Peter didn't play amazing. He, he did enough to get the win, and and it was a Peter Wright at the time that was almost in the habit of winning and, and very much knew how to win. So yeah, I think it was probably a, a big step in the in both the the darting career and and also the sort of you know just personal. Growth of, of of Ryan Searle as as he you know continues to develop into a you know a a top level player, which is I think is where we can you know we can we can talk about him. You know he's he's in the top sixteen um, in in the world. If, if he goes a bit further in this tournament, then he's going to he could start to creep further further up that. Um, and again, that has a, that has a lot of effects as we get into later in the year because it'll start to affect things like seedings, and it'll start to you know he, he will start we will start to see um, him entering tournaments in a slightly different way, which is which is only a good thing for him. It is indeed right. Let's then hear from Ryan Searle in his post-match press conference. Well, no, I did, but we saw, we booked Friday to Friday. Um, we're staying at Ribby Hall where Gary recommended. And um, yeah, it's always a nice problem to have if you if you've got to <laughs> stay a bit of extra time. So yeah, we'll we'll be on the phone in the morning to see if we can extend our stay. If not, we'll try and find somewhere else. I think I've got. I think there's a sofa bed in my suite on Friday. Um, I'm more than happy if Ryan wants to get in touch. Um, in fact, I'd give him the bed and jump in the, on the sofa bed myself if he wants to come and if he wants to come and dig in. I'll have a practice with him. It'll be, it'll be it's not a problem. I can I can fix him up for that. Does it come with a pillow menu? It better have a pillow menu, or there'll be problems, <laughs> mate. If I get if I get there and there's no pillow menu, there'll be an issue. <laughs> I still never ever seen one in, with my own eyes. I don't think I ever will. Unless Phil Blair starts stumping up some cash and sending us somewhere over them Premier Inns. Oh, I can see Phil in the back end. I'll be in our next interview. I think you've got your answer on that one, mate. With our winner. A quick reminder, by the way, that all of our interviews are available on the YouTube channel. 
uh, where you're currently watching this show. Uh, you can catch up with those as soon as you're finished with us. Or if you're listening back, obviously head over to Online Darts on YouTube and catch up with all the latest reaction. Right, have we missed anything in the chat room before we talk about that final one? Talking about how far Peter Wright will fall on the order of merit. Lost £135,000 tonight uh, off his ranking, unable to defend that. Could easily end the year outside the top 16 after the Worlds if this form continues. Yeah, because that tour card race with first round preliminary money obviously takes everyone back to where they currently are qualifying. But at the same time, you've got to account that some people below are going to cause upsets at the minute, given just how open darts is, and they're going to keep going on runs. So it's interesting to see how that one evolves for Peter Wright. Uh, Bob, is it is well. as well that when 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 it's because there's a lot of it's phrased like that a lot. It is just money, it is just points coming off his ranking. They don't take the money off him. He doesn't have to yeah, do yeah. that. Like, yeah, he's, not, he's not physically paying a back 135 he's, he's not got his checkbook out thinking I wish I'd played better yeah <laughs> that's it once you win one everything's just downhill from them <laughs> um, now says lack of match practice for Snakebite when he plays Tawny's game he'll be okay yeah he did have a big rest up ahead of this tournament uh, we'll see if he chooses to re-engage with the rest of the calendar uh, in the next few weeks obviously the World Series of Darts coming up shortly uh, down under. Zone uh, to Snakey's miles off getting to Butlin Jet for the players. Oh, yeah, work to be done on that one. He needs to go to a few more Pro Tours and start picking some stuff up. Um, should start with Darts, finish with the only played five legs with the others, couldn't break in. Yep, same Darts he played with the other night. It's how we're going. Uh, and there was also mentions that Jordan Henderson is off to the Saudis. Um, Thanks for funding our new midfielder, Stephen Gerrard. Uh, on to the final match of the night. It was an absolute belter, despite statistically not being the best of games. I mean, both of these have absolutely gone at eight and nine maximums, but uh, eight maximums for Luke Humphreys, nine maximums for Dirk van Boda. Both finishing mid-90s averages, Luke 95, Dirk 93. Um, but this one will sting a lot. For Dirk Van Dijvenberg, Dan, who seemed to have this match in the absolute palm of his hands once again, but he suffers heartbreak on a big stage in a close encounter once more. Yeah, it's. I mean, the stats are bonkers, and I think some of it is because the game was so long. Um, Luke Humphrey shoot thirty-two one forty is in that match, uh, like thirty-two, which was without a doubt the most we've seen by a long way in this in this tournament so far. Um, but it was also the longest game that we've, we've that we've seen. Um, yeah, and and the missed match start for Dirk. I like I was sort of watched that back and forth with me, with me pal while I was watching it, and like I felt he rushed it. Um, he went into the double eighteen. I think he was going for single eighteen. Went into the double eighteen. I, I think that he, unless he played for the double eighteen, which is bonkers. Um, but I, I think he rushed. The match start that he had, and a couple of times his head went, and he, he just, I just felt he couldn't compose himself when he needed to. But for very large parts of that match, I, I thought exactly the same about Luke Humphreys. I thought there was huge parts of that match where Luke Humphreys couldn't compose himself when he needed to, and it it just the timing of, of both of them losing it and getting it back a bit, losing it and getting it back a bit worked out all right for Luke in the end. Do we think there was a little bit too much respect shown between the pair? Because they're normally both 
just a tiny little bit more animated, I'm going to suggest, in the pre-match build-up. A lot of it was Dirk was saying Luke knows how good he is. He hasn't got to worry about anyone else if he turns up and plays. Luke was saying that I know what level I'm at, but I'm, I'm pretty level with Dirk here. This could go either way. Do you think they both overthought this one a little bit heading into the game? Oh, without, without a doubt. And I think that was that was going on on stage all the, all the way through the match. There was a lack of... Um, <clears throat> there was a lack of like physicality and um, re- release of pressure. Both both of those players, uh, Dirk especially, releases a lot on stage. And I almost felt that he was trying not to in an attempt to, you know, compose himself and keep measured. I thought that worked against him at points. Yeah. Because I felt Especially like... Especially when he got tight towards the end. You can see just he holds the dart at the back of the throw that little bit longer and tries to power it through, and it causes such a drag down of the dart. Yeah. Like, Amado summed it up heavily in the fact that both of these players are of that modern era or ilk that rely on their first dart so heavily. They've both got gorgeous entries to the board, and if that first dart is a miss, they've got the capable... They're going to be chasing, and that's a much more difficult place to be when a game gets scrappy, which is exactly how it played out. Yeah, and some of them were... Some of them were bad misses. You know, they weren't missing low on treble twenty. They they were they were they were missing low on the you know low section of the one, and they were and they were missing low into the fives. And you know, they, it wasn't they, when they were missing, they seemed to be properly missing. Um, and there there was some catastrophic visits from both players. And but as I said they, it peaked and troughed, and and they there was elements where they dragged each other down, and it was always just going to take. It to just click for for one of them for six or seven minutes while the other one was off the boil and that would that and that's what got it done in the end. Yeah, another one seven as well. Right. Another fish reeled in tonight. Another fish reeled in. Third one in the tournament. And Mark Webster had talked us all out of the fact he was even going for it. It was the wrong time in the match to go for one seventy. But even then, that was a moment where you looked at it and gone, right, Dirk's just firing the one seventy. He's a hundred percent ready for this now. Yeah, he's in the perfect position at the back end of this. This is where it happens with that, and it, it just didn't happen. I want to pick up on what you said about the fact they're missing low on the five and the ones. If you miss in a straight line, but you're still in the 20 segment, or you miss just left to right and you're hitting the treble five or the treble one, you can make a small technical adjustment or, or whatever in the game, and you, you can pinpoint where it's going wrong, or a lot of people can if you understand the mechanics of your throw enough. When you're missing both by such a range, that can only be described by nerves. Oh, and players, players at this level, 100%. Yeah, and I think what we saw as well, and, and I, I, I haven't got statistics for this, it, it, it's just a, a feeling from, from watching the game, but certainly, let's say, of players, you know, in the top half of, you know, who we think are the, you know, the, the, the top half stronger players in the tournament, they were both far, far below what you would expect. Switch hitting onto treble nineteens as well. There was there was an awful lot of poor darts at the treble twenty that were going low into the one and you know and then then a big nineteen yeah or missing high into nineteens. There was the 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 the, the switch hitting and I know I bang on about him a lot. But what we saw yesterday from Chris Dorby was an um, like a really really relentless that when it wasn't quite going right. The switch hitting into 19s was absolutely superb. And that didn't work for either of those players tonight. 
No, 100%. Uh, what did work, though, was the final couple of moments for Luke Humphreys. Call him Luke into the quarterfinal lineup of the Betfred World Match Play. And this is what he had to say in his post match press conference. No, I wasn't. I wasn't expecting him to, to miss, but he seemed to do it a lot against me. Um, and when I uh, went 10 all, that's when, you know, in my mind I'm thinking, you know, Dirk's probably thinking now I should have put him away and I haven't. Um, what am I doing? Uh, and that's when I thought, when the game was 10 all, I thought, you know, I know this this game's in the balance now. You know, I, if I can put him under pressure, I can win. And then I started trying too hard on his throw. And, um, but then in the end, I, I, I found that break. And with the 87, I think it was, uh, or the 88, sorry. Um, so a couple of crucial finishes in that game that really dug me over the line. But... My finishing really wasn't up to scratch about the whole game. It helped me out in the end. Not to scratch about the whole game. We still finished at 38.9%, 14 from 36 of Luke Humphreys. Turk Van Dijkveld actually finished that little bit better. He was 12 from 28, just didn't create enough opportunities as the pressure started to mount towards the back end. And that sums up round two of the Betfred World Match Play as we move into the quarterfinal stages over the next couple of days. The quarterfinal draw is as follows. It will be Chris Doby against Nathan Aspinall, Joe Cullen against Daryl Gurney, Ryan Searle will take on Johnny Clayton, and Damon Hetter will take on Luke Humphreys. Out of the final eight, six of them started as seeded players, Chris Doby and Daryl Gurney, the players that came through the Crota Order of Merit to book their spot in Blackpool. Our highest-ranked player in the draw remains Luke Humphrey, swiftly followed by Johnny Clayton. That's represented in the betting odds we bought you earlier, but I'll read them out one more time for you guys right now. Uh, Luke Humphreys is the 11-4 favourite to go on and lift the title. Johnny Clayton, 5-1. to one. Nathan Aspen, 11-2. Joe Cullen, 13-2. Damon Hetter, 8-1. Ryan Sell, 9-1. Chris Doby, 9-1. And Daryl Gurney, 12 to 1. If you are having a bet, please make sure you do so responsibly. And um, right, you know what time it is now. It's time for predictions time as we look ahead to the first night of quarterfinal action in the Winter Gardens. Just two games in this one, uh, and it is best of 31 legs. First to 16, Dan. Um, over some distance now. How do you see this first one going? Um, as much as we've seen, like, I feel, I almost feel silly, but because we've seen really, really, really good stuff from Daryl Gurney, but I picked Joe Cullen at the very beginning of the tournament to win the quarter, and he hasn't let me down so far. So, and I don't think we've seen the best of him so far. I think we've seen the very best of, I think we've seen the best that, Gurney's got to offer in this tournament, and we haven't yet seen the best of Joe Cullen. So it pulls me towards a Joe Cullen prediction, um, probably by a couple of breaks 16 12. Yeah, I mean, personal guarantees from pundits or, or people predicting the outcome of the match play haven't really gone to plan so far <laughs> in this tour, especially if your name is Dan Dawson. However, what I will personally assure you is that Daryl Gurney will not play the opening five legs the same way that he did against Gary Anderson. It's just not going to happen twice. Yeah. Lightning will not strike twice back to back like that. Daryl Gurney has been exceptional in this tournament and he's starting to look a lot like the old Daryl Gurney that was world number three and lifted two major titles in his career. However, 
This is starting to feel like a Minehead tournament a few years ago where I backed against Gurney in every single round where he started as the underdog and he just kept beating people. But I still think Joe Cullen's going to win this one, so I've got to go with it. <laughs> I think Cullen wins it 16-12. I just think he's got that staying power again, which, to be fair, I said about Gary. Um, but I, I just think he looks so assured up there at the moment. The way that he dealt with the response from Gerwin Price in the back end of that game yesterday was absolutely ridiculous. And I just think if Joe Cullen gets anywhere near that level again, which has been pretty consistent at 100 average in the first round, 94 average in that defeat over Gerwin Price yesterday, I think we see Joe Cullen in a match play semi-final, potentially the scene of the biggest crime in Joe Cullen's career history after Gary Anderson absolutely robbed him a few years back on his route to the title. Uh, so I'm going 16-12, Joe Cullen. Chatroom, what have you got for us? Els has got 16-10 to Cullen. Uh, Pat Ever has got Cullen 16-13. Mitchell, 16-12, Daryl Gurney. Bob's got 16-8, Gurney. Uh, Zane's got Cullen 16-13. And Tommy has gone for Gurney 16-14. On to the second quarterfinal of the night to round out the top half of the draw, and it will be Chris Dovey against Nathan Aspinall, two players that met on multiple occasions in the Premier League. I don't have a head-to-head in front of me, but I remember it being pretty balanced, actually, off, off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, I think they are in they're different, very different players, but I think they are, in terms of level at the minute, they're not a million miles away from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of what I expect them both to average, what I expect them both to do, um, it's it's. I mean, it's a Dolby pick for me. Um, not, I think it's head as well as heart. I, I I think that Dolby will benefit from the longer format more so than Nathan. Yeah. Um, and 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 that and and you know this is you know best of thirty one is is a considerably longer format. You know we referenced a couple of times that we've seen these two play each other on telly this year when we're playing. You know what we first is seven in the Premier League. Um, this is you know considerably different, much much longer format. I think that plays into Dolby's hands. I think he can he will find the level and sustain it for longer. Um, and for that reason, I will go 16-13 Dolby. Absolute kiss of death from both us here, but but I'm backing Dolby as well for, for very similar reasons. I think that Nathan Aspinall is very, very good at battling to get those results. And in those shorter format matches, those races to six, races to seven, best of whatever that they play in the Premier League this year, that actually you can scrap for a break of throw and then you can hold out just long enough with a level that alternates quite a lot. Yeah, I think there's a calmness to Chris Dobie that we've seen in this tournament so far that I can only liken to the maturity that we saw from Michael Smith last year in that he went from a player that, I hate using the phrase, but there was a lot of people calling Michael Smith a bottler for the amount of major finals that he'd lost, but he still kept coming back. And don't get wrong, there were some pressure moments in those finals that Michael Smith was not able to deliver his skill set during that time. And I think Chris Dobie has potentially been in situations similar. There was a time when he was averaging 104 on the floor and finding ways to lose games. Yeah. I don't see that in him at the moment. I just think he's got this <clears throat> calmness and this, this steely-eyed confidence in him right now that actually 
he can just respond. He backed his own 180 game, even if I think he's found a switch, if that makes sense. Like previously, Chris Doby was heavily reliant on his maximums. That first start has to be in the treble. He has to be able to find it. He's so much more assured at moving around the board now, treble 19, treble 18, just, just keeping the score ticking over and doing what he need, doing what he needs to. And I think because of that, he runs out 16-10, I'm going. I'm going for quite a wide margin. Yeah, because, like I said, I think Aspen has the ability to go up and down, but that's also physically in his action where he's up on his toes so much. If he loses that range for a couple of legs, I don't think Chris Dober's going to let him off. No, and, and certainly not, over, and like you say, over this longer format as well. Um, I've said that the thing, and I mentioned earlier on, the thing that really impressed me about Dobie so far in the tournament has been that moving around the ball, that switch hitting to 19s has been brilliant. And that's just kept his scores where where we needs to be. The combination finishing as well, under under pressure. And that is, I think, one of the biggest differences in where is is I don't think it's game. We know he can throw darts, he's always been able to throw darts. It's, it's his mentality, I think, is, is a lot of it. Is that under pressure, you know, with an opponent sat waiting for 32, he 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 is coming and taking out 125 and taking out 130 and, and taking out 83. And 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 I do think that that that's a, another big key is that combination finishing is just starting to click, and and it might only take one break of throw for, and and I don't mean the final result, but like for Doby to get the better of Nathan. Yeah. I think if you know, I think if if Doby wins the ball, one break of throw in the first mini session goes into the first break four one up, which is a massive mountain to climb for Nathan after that. Yeah, I, I think Aspinall will approach a comeback probably with a better frame of mind than most other players would. But I still do think it is a massive mountain to climb when Dobie can just keep chipping away, holding his throw and, and keeping him back at arm's length, which is why I've gone for the distance of victory that I have. Uh, into the chat room. Uh, I think we cut off a little bit early on some of the others. So I'm going to call out uh, some Colin Gurney predictions as well. Zane's got Colin 16-13, Tommy has got Gurney 16-14. Juanita's got Gurney 16-13. Then we're going to move on to predictions for the Dobie Aspinall game. Bob's got Asp 16-13. It's 16-12 for Asp, according to Tommy. Els has Dobie 16-14. Uh, Zane has Asp 16-12. Juanita 16-11 to the Asp. Uh, Pat Everett 16-12 to the Asp. A lot of people going Asp here right now. Uh, Mitchell's got Dobie 16-10, same as me. Uh, the crowd will kill Heta with his antics. Yeah, that's for tomorrow night's show, which is for someone else to predict, because mm -hmm. Dan and I will both not be available. In fact, this is our last fallout bar. This week, we are both otherwise occupied uh, for the next three days. And then myself, Phil Bars, Lee Boys, and potentially Dan as well, you never know, uh, will return on Monday to review all of the tournament as a whole, including the Women's World Match Play, which gets underway on Sunday afternoon. Um, Dan, as this is our last show, this is the final chance we can get to talk to everybody in the chat room. Um, just a quick reminder of who you back to be in the final, who you back to win the tournament, and if your opinion has changed since. Um, have you got? Do you know what it was? I don't. Right, and it was definitely. Um, Chris Dorby. 
from that half of the draw. And I'm just trying to remind myself who I think... Is it going Van Gerwen? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm just having a look. Yeah, I, I went for a Chris Dobie, Michael Van Gerwen final. Obviously, that's not possible anymore. I'm presuming you said Van Gerwen to win as well, by the way. I... You might be terribly uh, loyal to the North East. Yeah, I think I did. I'm pretty sure I went. I went. A, I think I went for a Dolby Van Gerwen final with a Michael Van Gerwen victory was my, my prediction, I think. Okay, given that Van Gerwen is out, one, are you sticking with Chris Dolby to be that top half finalist? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Two, who are you replacing him with? Uh, replacing Van Gerwen with? I am going to replace Van Gerwen with... Oh, it's one of two. It's... Is it Johnny Clayton or Luke Humphreys? No. Oh. No, it's not. It's... It's Ryan Searle or Luke Humphreys. Oh. And I'm going to... Oh, this is bonkers. How have I managed to do this and get... And th- How is this my pick for a major final? Um, Four days ago, I had Andrew Gilden in the semi-final. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah, fair play. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Dolby against Ryan Searle. And who wins the final? Chris Dolby. Ooh, why are you... And I'm, I'm genuinely far, I'm far more confident of that today than I would have been weeks ago. No, I think I, I think Ryan and Johnny Clayton will be a tremendous match. I think it'll be a brilliant game with some brilliant scoring. I think Ryan might get over the line against Johnny Clayton. I think I, I'm, I'm very confident that Hector against Humphreys is going to be an absolute barnstormer as well. I I fear that having come through this game tonight and then what he potentially is going to have to go through against Damon Hetter, that Humphreys could be spent by then. I, ju- I just think he's been, I think he's been worked very hard tonight and he's going to have to work very hard again against Damon Hetter. And, and I think he could just have run out of steam. Understandable. Uh, my predictions uh, was for a final that was between uh, Michael Smith and Luke Humphreys. Obviously, one of them has fallen already. So I am going to replace them with Joe Cullen from the top half. And I'm still going to say that Luke Humphreys wins the Betfred World Match play. And on that bombshell, that's the last time you're going to hear from me and Dan this week on the Fallout Bar. A big thank you to everybody in the chat room that has joined us throughout the week. We don't have official confirmation on who will be replacing us for tomorrow night's show, for Friday night's show and for Saturday night's show. Uh, But do keep an eye on our socials. We will get back to you guys as soon as possible. A big thank you to Betfred, uh, the title sponsors of the World Match Play, for all of their support throughout this tournament. To everybody in the chat room for watching and to everybody listening back as a podcast. Remember, all of our interviews from the World Match Play are available in full 
at Online Darts on our YouTube channel. Head over to socials, make sure you follow us across all platforms. Head to our website for recommended bets as well as articles throughout the week, uh, including roundups, reports, uh, previews of each session, and anything interesting you may have missed from those interviews that might give you a little pointer of where to go and catch them in full. Uh, and for myself and from Dan, a big, big thank you for joining us throughout the week so far. Uh, we've been Online Darts, and we'll speak to you very, very soon.